This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to the last show of season three of Go To Grandma. I'm your seasoned Go To Grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and this show is airing on December 23rd, 2023. We have a terrific last episode, so I want to get to it right away. You all know I love books, any book I can get my hands on, basically. So because I get to choose the topics for this show, today I'm featuring two amazing authors who are at the top of their games right now. First, I get on the line all the way to England to chat again with international best-selling author Jane Corey about her latest best-selling novel, Coming to Find You. And we talk about her column in My Weekly magazine, Diaries of a Modern Gran, and why she relishes the role of Agony Gran. Peter Mansbridge is a granddad, and he's known for some other stuff. You might have heard of him. And he's on the show again to talk about his latest book, How Canada Works. Get your coffee and get ready to listen to these two great writers— I think you'll be able to see the smile on my face throughout each interview. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Jane Corey is a Sunday Times and Washington Post bestseller. She lives in the UK, and her latest novel, Coming to Find You, is being published by Doubleday in Canada and the US on December 19th. Jane is also a journalist and writes for the Daily Telegraph, the Independent Newspaper, and women's magazines, including My Weekly, in which she writes a column about being a grandmother. Good morning, Jane. Thanks so much for being back on Go To Grandma to talk about your latest book. Thank you for having me, Kathy. It's always lovely to talk to you. I'm so excited about this book. It comes out in Canada on December the 19th, but I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy. It's called Coming to Find You. What was the inspiration behind this book, Jane? Well, the real inspiration was when I moved to Devon um, from London, I heard someone talking in the gym about Churchill's secret army and about local people who had burnt their weapons at the end of the Second World War. So I asked what they were talking about and found out that actually during the war, ordinary civilians, ordinary men and women were recruited into a secret army to defend their local towns, especially those by the sea, because it was feared that the Germans would invade over land, oh, sorry, not over land, but by sea. That weaves its way through the book. Of course, I love the book so much because the first page mentions the main character's grandmother's home, which is yeah. called Tall Chimneys. And that's sort of, it's the main stage for where the book takes place. It is. Um, so I'm fascinated by houses and Tall Chimneys is a house that is lived in by Elizabeth during the Second World War. She becomes a member of Churchill's Secret Army and she also takes in evacuees. But it's also home to Nancy 80 years later. Now, um, as you and I talked a bit about in the past, Cathy, I worked in a prison as a high security, um, at a high security prison as a writer. Mm-hmm. And my heroine Nancy in my book has a stepbrother who goes to prison and she has to hide from him because he's representing danger. He is out to seek revenge. Yeah, and there's a, quite a few twists and turns in the book between Elizabeth and the present-day Nancy and uh, the, the, the relationships that they have throughout the book. And it's, it comes together so well. I would really encourage um, people to go ahead and pick it up. I, I've read a lot, all of your books, I'm pretty sure, Jane. How would you describe your writing genre? Well, I do love twists 
I'm mm-hmm. the kind of person who will watch a program and, and try to guess who it is, um, <laughs> which can be a bit irritating to my husband. But really, I like to write about ordinary families who are affected by crime. My time as a writer in a prison really affected me. It showed me how people's lives can be devastated, either because someone in their family is hurt or because somebody in their family has done the hurting. But I like to explore themes of forgiveness. I like to explore the family complexities that that there are out there. And um, I like to bring in humor and warmth. Mm That's really important to me, as well as a sense of place. Yeah, and it's, re- it's really interesting, um, as you mentioned, at Churchill's Secret Army, getting the historical facts behind this as well. You always give us a little yeah. peek behind the, the prison door, too, which I really appreciate. And you've turned out so many wonderful books. Um, I know that people who are interested in writing and writers always ask this question, so I'm going to. If you could describe, <laughs> how, do you, how do you, do you lock yourself in a cabin, Jane, for a weekend, or do you, is it a day-by-day? <laughs> What's your writing sort of style? It, it's day-by-day, so, so we have a tall house um, and I have a study right at the top that overlooks the sea and I'm up there um, straight after breakfast. Before breakfast I always have a swim in the sea um, all, all the year round. It's quite cold but it, it really invigorates me and then I work to, to lunchtime. Um, I do a little bit of research before my book and then I sometimes do it during the book. So one thing that I came across is that there is a website where if you think your relatives might possibly have been a member of the Secret Army, you can actually log in and see if their name is there. And you may find that listeners in Canada, for example, um, might well find that they had relatives in Churchill's Secret Army. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that before. I've I've got to look mine up. All my relatives are are English, so I'm going to have to do that myself and find out. And I know you go into the sea every day to swim because I follow you on Instagram. (laughs) And you've been doing this cold water swimming, I think, since before it was cool. Is that right, Jane? (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. I've been doing it um, for about eight years. Wow. I go with um, a friend who's a neighbor so that um, if one of us gets into trouble, um, which hasn't happened so far because we actually only go in when the sea is quite safe, um, the other one is around, but it is really invigorating. And um, I had a great swim this morning. It might be December, but it was um, it was brilliant. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's it's becoming quite popular here too. Um, another thing that's very popular, of course, is your uh, column in my weekly magazine, which is called Diary of a mm-hmm. Modern Gran. And I just read your mm-hmm. latest post, which was all about um, your eight year old granddaughter's birthday party. I believe that's right. Yes, and and really <laughs> reminiscing about sort of those birthday parties or days of old where they were quite traditional. And that's really important to you. Yes, tradition is important, I think, in a family. Um, And yet, having said that, we've experienced our fair share of divorce in families, sadly. But tradition is something that can continue throughout. And I used to love doing things like pinning the tail on the donkey Mm -hmm. and uh, pass the parcel. And there seems to be a little bit of a revival with these traditional games in the UK. So I don't know if it's the same in Canada. I think it is similar in the sense that I know my grandkids, we have traditional parties in the backyard. For them, we're not going to great big, you know, jungle gyms and things like that. We're really just trying to, you know, keep things pretty basic for the kids. Yes, yes. And and, and that can be such fun, can't it? Oh, amazing. And you also, in your column, also do um, an Agony Gran column. So do your Agony Gran. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you had any really um, interesting agonies come to your way recently? Yes, I have. And um, people email in, they usually say they don't want their names mentioned, which is absolutely fine. But I think the important thing to remember about grandparents now is that we're not the old type of grannies that, that perhaps one might have thought of 20, 30 years ago. 
a lot of us are still working, mm-hmm. we do things, and we have problems like anybody else, um, like people 20, 30, 40 years younger than us. And I think it can be very warm and comforting to share these problems on the page. And um, my digital page is free. You can download it, mm-hmm. um, Gran, um and also www.myweekly.co.uk. It's totally free. And we get a lot of regular readers who love to talk about their lives. Well, I love reading your column and I go to it quite often, as you said, at myweekly.co.uk. What we want to do is also find your book called Coming to Find You. It's on sale December 19th. I highly recommend it. Follow Jane on Instagram at Jane Corey Author. And that's J-A-N-E-C-O-R-R-Y. You also have a website and you're on Twitter. You are published by Doubleday, so you can find the books on their website as well. Thanks a lot, Jane. Thank you for having me. Peter Mansbridge is one of Canada's most respected journalists. He is the former chief correspondent for CBC News, anchor of the national CBC's flagship nightly newscast, where he worked for 30 years, reporting on national and international news stories, and host of Mansbridge One-on-One. A number one best-selling author and current host of his own podcast, The Bridge, he has received over a dozen national awards and honorary degrees for broadcast excellence. Good morning, Peter Mansbridge. Thanks so much for coming on GoToGrandma. Thank you, Kathy. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Last time we talked about a book that you had written, more personal essays about your work history, etc. But this time we're talking about a book called How Canada Works, The People Who Make Our Nation Thrive. And you're talking about others people, other people's work in this book. So why, why this book, Peter? Well, I'm much more comfortable talking about other people. <laughs> Classic <laughs> so interviewer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know what it's like in the our business, Kathy, we spend a lot of time talking to other people, hearing their stories. And that's, you know, I've always found that fascinating wherever I've been, you know, in the country and lucky enough, given my background to, you know, traveled all over Canada, big cities, small communities, and uh, to a degree around the world. So in all these, the opportunity to meet other people has happened and it's been great. So why this book? Well, this book is an extension of that, um, because basically we tend to look and hear the political debate about Canada being, you know, the country's broken, or this doesn't work, or that doesn't work. And we're usually talking about at the government level. But at the people level, things are very different. And I I argue through these um, examples, myself and my co-author, Mark Volgich, we argue that the country works. Because ordinary people do what we kind of consider ordinary things, but they're they're not ordinary. Nor, the people nor the jobs they do. They're all jobs that have impact on us as Canadians. And I think we find through listening to their stories a um, sense of how the country really works. Yeah, and you profile people in quite different professions. And you're right, they seem in quotation marks, ordinary jobs, but there's sort of an extraordinary feel to what they do. I really enjoyed the essays, and I, I really enjoyed um, a few in particular that I just wanted to ask you about. Um, the, the funeral director one I found quite fascinating. Of course, I'd watched Six Feet Under, so I had sort of you know, an interest in that. Um, but not realizing really what's involved in some of these day-to-day jobs is fascinating. 
It is, you know, and they are, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Glenn Jones, who's the funeral director in a sec, but I mean, they're very different. You know, we go everywhere from a forensic biologist to uh, an air traffic controller to a high-rise window washer. I mean, all these jobs have an impact on us that in many ways I don't think we realize, and it shows in many ways connected we are. Um, the story of the funeral director, she happens to live uh, in southern Ontario, she lives, uh, in Scarborough. Uh, and hers is a wonderful story. You know, she, she, when we started talking, she, she was expressing something that we all have had in these last few years, a great um, uh, appreciation for the work of, um, uh, you know, first responders, whether they're doctors, nurses, or firefighters police officers or whomever they may be, uh, because they were there, uh, you know, when we needed their help so much during the beginning of the uh, pandemic and through the pandemic. So I, I said, well, why do you bring them up? And she said, well, Peter, I'm not a first responder. I'm a last responder. Yeah, I loved <laughs> that line. Yeah, that was a pretty great cool. line. Yeah. And, and, you know, and obviously it's true, but her point was it's important. It says as important for her uh, to care about the people she's dealing with. Obviously, the person who's passed, she shows a great deal of respect and care for in, in preparing that person for burial or cremation or whatever the case may be. But she also spends a great deal of time with the family of that person. And so caring and responsibility and appreciation is just as much a part of her job as the last responder as it is for the first responder. But, you know, her, her story of, of, you know, how she became involved in the funeral business and some of the things that have happened to her uh, give you a whole different sense of that job and appreciation for it. Yeah, and, and you're right. In terms of how do people get into these jobs, that's such an interesting part of the story, especially I found the air traffic controller. Like, how does one decide they want to be an air traffic controller and what skills are required? And her story was fascinating, too. She's in Halifax. Her name is Amber Duaron, and she grew up in Moncton. Um, and you're right. How she got into it, she'd never thought about air traffic control until one day her family, still, you know, in her early teens, uh, her family was visiting a neighbor's house, and the neighbor happened to be in the air traffic control business. And he said to Amber, you know, Amber, I've watched you at this uh, playing soccer because he was a uh, coaches of the uh, of uh, kids soccer, and he said, you know, I watch you, and what makes you distinctive compared with a lot of the other kids is you have this, you you see the whole field, you have a vision of the whole field, you know where everybody is, you know what they're doing, you know that where they're going to be, um, and so you know how to pass the ball or receive the ball. And he said, that's what we have to do in air traffic control. You should really think about that. And it was the first time she thought about it, but she thought, okay, that's great. I, I love that sense of, you know, knowing where people are, but I also like pressure. You know? And so she ended up visiting uh, the tower, an air traffic control tower, watching what they did. And then she entered the, uh, um, you know, the competition to try and be an air traffic controller. And it took you know, it took a lot of training and a lot of tests and exams and everything, but that's where she ended up. But it all started 
because of her abilities on the soccer field and and a name noticing it. Yeah, that's so interesting. And and a lot of the stories are like that. You think, how did someone end up there? How did you find the people that you focus on in this book? Uh, that's a good question. The um, What we did, we started with what kind of jobs we wanted to look at. Um, and, and Mark and I basically sat down and came up with a list of things that interested us, things that we thought had an impact on the country and, and ourselves. Uh, and then we started looking for the people put beside those. And obviously, you know, it's a, it's a book that's selling across the country, selling quite well, I might add. But, uh, one of the things that you obviously want to do with a book that's for national sale is to have a sense of the country. So we were looking for diversity in, in, in the sense of geographic diversity, um, gender diversity, uh, cultural diversity. And so that's how we came up with the list. But say, say the window washer, he's in Edmonton. So we, we had a blank on the, on the wall in, the, in terms of the number of people we have found already from Alberta. We had a couple, but we wanted one more. And I said, well, I'll try and find a, you know, a high-rise window washer in Alberta. Uh, and so we, uh, you know, started looking them up in uh, Edmonton, the, the companies uh, that uh, offered that service. And, you know, we were looking, obviously, for somebody who enjoyed talking about their job, maybe had a bit of a sense of humor, um, but, uh, you know, we love, love their job. Yeah, and he and, talks about what he sees in the windows, which is kind of, which is fun, right? Yeah, yeah I said, what, what do you actually see when you're up there? <laughs> and... Uh, well, he he was pretty honest about what what they see and how they te- how they try not to look at some of the things that are in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was really funny actually. Um, so there's a lot in this book in terms. Of, there is the humor. There's the personal stories. Um, I agree. The whole overall tone is Canada is working. This is how Canada works. What do you hope that people will take away from reading this book? Well. I, I'm hoping that they realize that there's a lot more to the way this country uh, operates and works than, you know, say the people in Ottawa or the people at Queen's Park or the people in the uh, legislature in Victoria for, for British Columbia. That it's a lot more than politics and the big business leaders in the big uh, office towers and cities across the country. What makes the country work, in my view, are the are are you know I hate this term more people, but it's basically what we describe uh, people in kind of every jobs. That's what makes the country work. It works because they love their work, they think it's important, they recognize that it it serves not just the people directly that they're involved with, but it in many ways serves the whole country. If we didn't have funeral directors, you can imagine the chaos that would have resulted from that. If we didn't have high-rise window washers, people in office towers and condominium buildings, it wouldn't take long, a couple of years, before they wouldn't be able to see out their windows. It's that much dirt collects on the, uh, on the glass. So we don't, we don't think about these things. So, what, you know, what do I hope people take away from the reading? I think they, they take away, I hope they take away, a better sen- understanding of how the country works and how in so many ways... We're all connected. You know, we're connected in the sense of 
getting things done and how the place works. And speaking of connection, I am speaking with Peter Mansbridge about his new book, How Canada Works. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to Peter a little bit about his podcast, The Bridge, and the fact that he's a granddad. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Speaking with Peter Mansbridge, we just finished talking about his new book, How Canada Works, and now we're going to get into a couple of other aspects of Peter's life. You're supposed to be retired, Peter, but I don't think you are at all. Um, So you say in the book that the title of chief correspondent is second only to one other title in your life, which is dad and now grampy. So you are a proud granddad, Peter. I am a very proud uh, granddad. And yeah, they they call me grampy. And, uh, you know, that took a while. That took a while for me to get used to. <laughs> <laughs> How many grandkids do you have, Peter? I have three. Um, I have two uh, granddaughters, uh, uh, Hope and Autumn. Uh, they're both uh, they're both actually in university in Ottawa. One at Ottawa U and one at Carleton. And I have a grandson uh, named Ryder. He's a little younger than the girls, um, but uh, he lives in Winnipeg. I get to see him not as often uh, as I would get to see the girls, but. The fact is, he's uh, he's a great little hockey player, and so I can watch sometimes on a feed uh, his, his games, even though you're you know eleven or twelve years old. But I get to get a chance to, to to watch him playing hockey. It's great. It's great. Well, mine are too little to do that, yet, but I'm hoping one day I'll get to watch mine play hockey as well. And do you think do your grandkids listen to your podcast? It's called The Bridge. It's amazingly successful. People listen to it all the time. It's current affairs. Actually, maybe you can tell me, Peter, what is the podcast about? It's basically current affairs. A lot of politics. You know, I, I spend a, a lot of time in Ottawa and Washington. Uh, and, and as a result, uh, a lot of the conversations are made up uh, of uh, about politics and the way things are going. And it's an interesting uh, time in Canada for the political situation as it is in the States. The podcast is heard right across North America. So, uh, yeah, basic podcast. So people listen to it. From around the world, mainly Canadians, obviously, but they they use the podcast to stay in touch with with the country. And do people um, do they contact you about the content? Do you get a lot of comments back on because I imagine oh, yeah. you cover some pretty controversial topics. Yeah, I probably yeah, I probably get I don't know a hundred to two hundred letters a week. Oh wow! Enough that uh, and, and the thing about uh, podcasts is they're they're pretty constructive. You know, they don't always agree. Uh, in fact, sometimes they really disagree with with things I have to say or has to say, but they're thoughtful in the way they put it. And I, I've turned one of the shows a week, the Thursday uh, episode, into basically your turn. It's an opportunity uh, for, for them to vent on whatever the issues are uh, that they see as the important ones. And, uh, you know, it, it's popular as well. Well, seeing as you get hundreds of letters a week, I'm so grateful that you answered my email to come to come on GoToGrandma and to talk about your latest book, which is How Canada Works, The People Who Make Our Nation Thrive. And, of course, if you want to know how Peter works, you can read his previous book, which is uh, Off the Record, which is a really insightful look into your life. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Peter. We can, of course, visit you at thepetermansbridge.com. We can find The Bridge, uh, your podcast, and we can also find you on X, formerly Twitter, at the Peter Mansbridge and Instagram. You're everywhere on Peter Mansbridge as well. <laughs> Thanks again for this, and I hope you have a great holiday season with the grandkids. Thank you, Kathy, and the same to you as well.
Grandparents are the footsteps to future generations. Author unknown. But I love that thinking that the lives we lead also lead our grandkids while we are here and even when we are gone. And with this, I am gone as we wind down season three of Go To Grandma. I'd like to thank RBC for being such a supportive and inventive title sponsor for these three seasons. Their partnership and financial advice and insight have been an integral part of this show's success. Of course, thanks to Zoomer Radio and the professionalism and guidance I was given, plus the friendships in the studio and in the hallways. You're all stars. Over the holidays and until season four launches, you can still catch all 124 episodes of Go To Grandma on the Zoomer Podcast Network, iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services. Thanks most of all to you, the grandparents and the grandparent wannabes, for listening and contributing conversations and topics. I'm your Go To Grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Instagram at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.